Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Heavenly Father, we come again with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits. Thanking you again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I'm asking that you continue to give us your strength, Lord. Give us your guidance. Give us your understanding. Forgive us of those sins, Lord, that place a veil between us and you. Lord, I'm grateful for this time that I have with my brothers, I mean, with my sisters in Christ, that you have given us good health, Lord, and kept us in perfect peace. I'm asking, Lord, that you continue to guide us and strengthen us, Lord, as we are asking you to teach us your word today, as we are asking you, Lord, to be able to Show us, Lord, the ends and outs of your word, that we may chew on it and get the nutrients. Lord, if this study be led by your spirit, then let it bring new understanding and edification unto the body of Christ. But Lord, we place no confidence in our flesh and our desires, but to give you all that is necessary, Lord, that you may take us over and do a perfect work. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I I bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention, every spirit of confusion, every spirit of jealous, malice, hatred, Lord, every spirit, Lord, of doubt, fear, and unbelief. If there is anything here, Lord, that shouldn't be here, I'm asking that it be cast down. And I'm asking, Lord, that we're given the mind of Christ. And I'm asking that you open the eyes of those who can't see in the ears of those who can't hear. Lord, we just want to thank you, Lord, for being an awesome God, for giving us so much, even to an undeserving people, even for sheep, Lord, that that temporarily, Lord, occasionally go astray. We just thank you for being the good shepherd, Lord, that you continue to have a heart after us to get us to eventually, Lord, follow you as you say. Lord, you could have given us up a long time ago. You could have left us in our sin to die. But as you have saved, Lord, your people through the toughest trials and tribulations, that we just ask, Lord, that you continue to do that with us. For you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are faithful, just, and true. And you are worthy of all praises. Lord, I'm asking that you do these things for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so tonight's study is going to be called Noah's Ark. Okay, because um, I know that we've all read that story from kindergarten and everyone looks at it like it was an event that happened in history, in which it was. You know, it truly was an event that historically happened. Um, I know that a lot of scientists will try and tell you that such things hadn't happened and they try and come up with all these scientific points. And that's why the Bible tells you to not to beware of science, falsely so-called because some professing have erred from the faith. But, you know, Noah's Ark was a real account for those scientists who want to be honest and tell you the truth, that they have discovered that even the Grand Canyons were formed by this. I mean, the tectonic plates, there's cracks all through the earth to prove that the fountains of the deep truly broke open. 
But that's not really my argument tonight. Our argument is how the ark compares to Jesus Christ. Okay, because all from the beginning when Adam and Eve sinned and the Lord, um, they covered themselves in fig leaves and the Lord had to give them the skins of animals to keep them. That was the Lord Jesus Christ doing his will then or showing that they were in need of a savior. So, like I said before, it truly is his story. I'm Minister Derek Hallett of Sound the Trumpet Ministries, soundoftrumpetministries.com. But um, this is really, we're going to get into the depths of what this thing is about. Because as you're going to find from the beginning of the Bible unto the end, it truly is about Jesus Christ. It's almost impossible to find any story where the children of Israel had acted on their own accord or man did something and God saved him. Every single point has something to do with Jesus Christ. Okay, so uh, let's get started. Let's start with uh, Psalm 60, and then we'll move on from there. But it really, truly is about Jesus Christ. All right, Psalm 60, and we'll start at verse 1. O God, thou hast, cut, thou hast cast us off. Thou hast scattered us, thou hast been displeased. O oh, turn thyself to us again. Thou hast made the earth to tremble, thou hast broken it. Heal the breaches thereof, for it shaketh. Now I know why I was led here. So this is talking about from the beginning, when the Lord talked about, um, you know, the Bible talks about what the Lord did, you know, concerning Noah's ark and how he had to destroy the earth one time. And to be able to do this over. So this is talking about how the earth trembled, you know, at the, the awe of God when he had to proclaim judgment on a people. Verse 3, Thou hast shewed thy people hard things. Thou hast made us to drink the wine of astonishment. So in other words, they were like intoxicated with the awe of God. That they were like just thrown away or what people would say today, shell-shocked that you were just shocked at what you saw concerning the Lord. Right. All right, and there's the wine of astonishment. Verse 4, Thou hast given a banner to them that fear thee, that it may be displayed because of the truth, Selah. So let's not let this skip by us either because, you know, they said the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. And Jesus spoke many times about the truth, how it would set us free. So if you look at the fact that they have... Um, you know, the fear and then displayed because of the truth, the fear that was displayed, then, you know, when you hear the truth in Jesus Christ and you hear all he wants and all he demands or all he commands, I will say, is that, you know, you can either through fear choose to believe it or you can choose not to believe it. And, and that will lead you in a place of either salvation and eternal life or damnation and hell. Mm -hmm. All right, verse 5, that thy beloved... Oh, that thy beloved may be delivered, save with thy right hand, and hear me. God has spoken in his holiness. I will rejoice. I will divide uh, Shechem and meet out of the valley of Succoth. Gilead is mine and Manasseh is mine. Ephraim also is the strength of mine head. Judah is my lawgiver. Moab is my uh, washpot. Over Edom will I cast out uh, the, my shoe. Philistia triumphed thou because of me. 
Okay, so he's talking about all these different uh, tribes. Now, you know that Philistia is where the Philistines are from. They were the enemies of God, but even they had drawn their strength. Moab was who came from um, Lot's uh, two daughters. Well, Moab is one of them. And then you have um, Edom, you know, which is a very interesting character, which is where Esau's family comes from. Okay, so he's talking about all of these groups. Verse 10. Thou will not, O God, which has cut us off, and thou, O God, which didst not go out from our armies, I mean, go out with our armies, give us help from trouble, for vain is the help of man. Through God we shall do valiantly, for he it is uh, that shall tread down our enemies. Okay, so they named the enemies that God would uh, would try and, you know, help them conquer. And Israel did conquer every single one of these enemies when they first feared him and began to follow his truth. Okay, so from there, there was no one that could have conquered Israel. Mm -hmm. Let's go to Psalm 64, right next door. And it says, Hear my voice, O God, in my prayer. Preserve my life from fear of the enemy. Hide me from the secret counsel of the wicked, from the insurrection of the workers of iniquity. Okay, so this is, um, you know, another psalm. It's like a precatory prayer where, you know, it tells you about how, um, what's the word I want to use? That judgment, God's judgment is a Christian's door of hope. Okay, so a lot of people may look at destruction as in, man, this isn't good. And, you know, I'm, I'm worried and I'm this and that. If you are of the Lord, then the Lord has to be able to judge situations, judge nations, judge people, you know, because all it does is cleanse whatever it is that's wrong, because other than that, sin would just keep going. Now, I believe 9-11, although God didn't do it, God had something to do with it, but not by allowing it to happen mm -hmm. so that people may see that they need the living God. Mm -hmm. Okay, there's a lot of incidents in history where things have happened and the Lord has protected his but he wanted the world to see, without me, you can do nothing. Oh, yeah. sorry. And it's always interesting how, well, at least for the 16, 17 years prior when 9-11 did happen, how it's like you got a nation that doesn't believe in God. And as soon as that happened, what did they do? Turn back you know, to the Lord. Turn back to God. Now, why has that happened again? Maybe it's because this nation has gotten so far removed from God that even with the children of Israel, there was a certain time when it was like, why should I punish you? You're not going to get it anyways. And there are a lot of people that are going to get saved uh, when things really tip off. Right. People may not see it now, but when things start to get cut and start to fall apart, then you're going to find people wondering. They're going to have a lot of questions. Yeah. And as believers, we have to have some answers right. because we won't be the ones that will be fooled. All right, verse 3, and it says, Who wet their tongue like a sword and bend their bows to shoot their arrows, even better words. So you're going to find this with people, too, in a corrupt, wicked society. You know, God is going to hide his people in his secret council. But you're going to hear people blaspheming the Lord, speaking bad of him. Who is this God of yours that we should obey him? You know, and in all kinds of corrupt speech, verse four, that they may shoot in secret at the perfect. What is the perfect God? Suddenly do they shoot at him and fear not. So this is why the beginning of fear is the beginning of all wisdom, because 
even when you recognize such things as blaspheming the Holy Ghost that you can never be forgiven, mm -hmm. you want to start making things right. When you hear that you can go too far in spiritual power and turn back to sin, mm -hmm. that you can forever be cut off. When you know that not following the Lord, that the devil who walketh around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, and the Lord reveals this to you, you want to fall back under him so bad because you know, hey, this is a real situation and God is who's got me. Mm -hmm. But unless you have persecution, unless you have these things take place, man will just become more bold and more wicked. Right. It's almost like if you were to uh, get a dog or if you were to take a dog that was used to being in the house and being respectful, and let's just say something happens to the family and the dog has to go outside and live, that he becomes, he has to forget those rules in order to be like the world. You know, in order to survive, he's got to probably start killing and hunting for his food, fighting other dogs, doing other things. And it's almost like if you leave man to himself, he'll pick up the same nature. He'll forget his morals. He'll forget God. He'll start to do things pleasing to his flesh. And that's where he he remains. Right. Unless he gets shaken up by the Lord or the Lord gets in, involved. All right, verse 5. They encourage themselves in an evil manner. They commune of laying snares privily, they say, who shall see them? And this is why you've got the wicked people of this world that have all these diabolical plans and how they want to destroy man and they want to do all these wicked things. They think really that nobody sees them. Mm -hmm. They think while they're doing this, they have no one to answer to because they had a lying cherub tell them that, hey, don't worry about God. I'll get you past him. Mm -hmm. I know what to do. Um, you know, this is going to happen. So he's convinced these people that you can be bold, you can be wicked, I've got you, and we're going to rule together. Yeah. And you know, Satan honors no contract. So as soon as his son, the Antichrist, gets on the scene, he's going to betray these people because all the devil wants is worship. He doesn't want, you know, a family of people around him. He wants to take God's creation, get God's creation to worship and follow him because he knows it hurts the Lord. But once the Lord says, I'm done with them, you know, and now I'm going on with this, then the devil will turn on them. Okay. And this is why he gives them over to a reprobate mind, because at that point, the devil does have dominion over you. Exactly. So these people think that they're putting one over on God, but they're not. And the Lord sees all things. Verse six. They search out iniquities. They accomplish a diligent search. But uh, the inward thought of every one of them, both the inward thought of every one of them, and the heart is deep. But God shall shoot at them with an arrow, and suddenly they shall be wounded. So they shall make their own tongue to fall upon themselves. All that see them shall flee away. And all men shall fear and shall declare the work of God. For they shall wisely consider of his doing. The righteous shall be glad in the Lord and shall trust in him, and all the upright in heart shall glory. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is why God's judgment is important, because when God decides to make a move, it's a game changer. Right. It's never just a situation where things go back to where they were. When he decides to stand up and proclaim judgment, it will be done. Mm -hmm. Now, you, all you have to ask yourself is, are you on the Lord's side or are you on Satan's side? Right. Because every time the Lord had given that option, he always destroyed the other side of things. So, you know, this is all about God's grace and his love. But when it says, 
so they shall make their own tongue to fall upon themselves. Isn't it amazing when you are God that you can hear the devil blaspheme, you can hear people blaspheme, and the Lord, of course, it, it hurts him because he knows that he made hell for real. He knows that there's a real lake of fire, and he's not kidding around. And the fact that his love for us is so great, he wants us to do right. But you'll find people that will, you know, uh, but their own tongues are going to fall on them. So while they're bold now, and while they're enjoying what they're doing, and they're just walking in wickedness, God is kind of, you're not doing anything to him. The Lord can, he's not ruled by his emotions. Right. So when he decides to act, hey, your mouth is what got you in trouble. Your belief system is what led you here. But even during those times, you, you find the Lord, come and be with me. You got people that will walk on their knees for miles in Catholicism. You got people that will blow themselves up in term, bus terminals, you know, strapped together with dynamite so they can get 72 virgins in Islam. You know, you got people that'll just go out there, consort with demons that are supposed to be familiar, that are, you know, supposed to be familiars that will help them out, so-called spirit guides, and eventually be turned to madness because you're pursuing everything except the one true God, except the ark, yep. you know, and, and it's just so funny that people will do anything but come to God. Mm -hmm. That is the sternness in man. They'll always find some alternate thing like the book, The Secret. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'll just go into that. But they'll never pursue the Lord. Yeah. Did you get that picture I sent you from that the front of that National Geographic? Yeah. I read part of that article when mm -hmm. Devin was at his appointment, and it was about this like young twenty-year-old, twenty-something-year-old kid in like Scandinavia or something like that mm -hmm. that has had a, a chip put in the back of his head mm -hmm. because he can't see color, mm -hmm. and he has an antenna. That, it, that comes up over his head, so now he can interpret color. Yeah. Um, but he wanted his passport picture taken with this antenna, and like it was all about, you know, cyborg and you know what we're heading towards and, evo you know, evolution and all this. And so his girlfriend, because she was jealous of of his chip, had a chip implanted so that she could feel the Earth movement, like the seismic act activity, and then she does interpretive dance from that. Yeah, you see? And this is the corruption of man. I mean, you know, we did a teaching on that about two weeks ago about Daniel's image, you know, but this is exactly what is playing out. This is what's going on, that people will do anything except come to God. And God is only going to allow in the ark that which he made. Everything else is going to be on the outside. So, you know, um, so from here, let's go to Mark 16 again. I just want to make this quick point. They've also, I've also seen this to where they're making these new glasses where people can see color if they put on these sunglasses. And they're playing on, and this is how the Mark of the Beast, Mark of the Beast is going to come in, is that they're playing on people's emotions to get this stuff done. Like, well, if he can see color, if he can sense color, what's wrong with that? Exactly. You don't understand what's wrong with that. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> made you the way you are for a reason. Mm -hmm. yeah. No, totally. All right, so Mark 16, we'll start at verse 14, and it says, Afterward he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them uh, which had seen him after he was risen. 
Okay, so you see, even though Jesus Christ had come back, you found those with hardness of heart. Now, Jesus didn't take the time to convince them. The fact that he came is all the convincing that you would need. You either choose to believe or you choose not. But either way, Jesus is going to say what he's saying here in verse 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So right away the Lord is giving him signs of what the saved will eventually have and what they will do. So you don't have to try and figure out whether or not somebody's saved. These things will manifest in every single true believer. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, this takes growth. But the fact of the matter is, this is what he signed off for. And that's why he told the people in Matthew 12, a wicked and perverse generation seeketh after a sign, but they're not going to get any sign except the way that um, uh, Jonah was three days and nights and the whale is the same way the Son of Man was three days in the heart of the earth and came back. So that is all they would get. So it would be up to them on what they believe. Is this the truth? Do you believe God's word? Do you believe the people of God? Or you don't. Mm -hmm. But there is no trying to figure it out and help you out. God is going to do exactly what he says he's going to do. All we have to figure out is, do we believe it? And do we want to pursue what he wants? Or do we want to do our own thing? Right. So that's what this is truly about. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs with following, with signs following. Amen. So you guys are going to see why this is significant, why I'm going into this, because... When we touch on Noah's Ark, you're going to find that so many things match up with Jesus Christ that it's not even funny. I mean, it couldn't be any more clear than what they're saying. So from here, let's go to Isaiah 53. I'm just setting the floor, that's all. And I love how Isaiah said this, Isaiah 53 and verse 1. Because he tried to just make it clear to them, hey, this is what it is. Mm -hmm. You can either choose to go for it or you don't. But that's all it comes down to. Right. So Isaiah 53 and verse 1, and it says, Who hath believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. So right away, you know, this is talking about Jesus. He would come up as a tender plant, meaning he wouldn't do anything, commit no sin, you know, and he, there was no form of comeliness. There was nothing about Jesus Christ that would make him believable. If you saw him with your carnal eyes, you would turn away from him. If you saw, this was a master stroke of God the Father to have Jesus Christ placed and an unattractive man, okay, that, that wasn't anything like the Pharisees or those who preceded him, mm -hmm. okay? So this is awesome because, you know, it's like, hey, it's going to take spiritual eyes to see this. 
it's going to take you believing. And that's why the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. Okay, because if you walk by sight, then, you know, your senses can deceive you. We already know this. You know, eyes, physical eyes just don't see deep enough. So we need the eyes of Jesus Christ. Your ears just don't hear enough. You know, you need the hearing of Jesus Christ. So you need to be led by the Spirit in order to obey the Spirit is the only one that can lead you back to Jesus Christ. All right, so it says, there was nothing in him to be desired, in the physical world at least. Verse 3, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid uh, with grief and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and he was and they esteemed him not or we esteemed him not. So, you know, right away he was rejected of men. What does the Bible say? Friendship with the world makes you the enemy of God. So we have to know that the things that men desire are not the things that God desires. Mm -hmm. So there's a big difference between what the Lord wants and what man wants. So being rejected of men was a good thing. If Jesus was rejected of men, then, then truly, I mean, except for winning souls, you want to be rejected of men too. Because he's not talking about men that would receive Jesus Christ. He's speaking of men that want to be in the world. He's speaking of men that want things outside of Jesus. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you get rejected, so be it. You know, you want to be acquainted with Jesus. If they esteem you not, if the world hates you, guess who loves you? Jesus. And that is all that matters. Mm -hmm. Verse 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we, I mean, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. So, you know, Jesus again became sin, who was sinless, in order to redeem man. So he was the perfect sacrificial lamb, the Passover lamb that was necessary to redeem this world of sin. Mm -hmm. All right. So he just took it like a, like God. Imagine God laying down his life for you just to show you, hey, you know, I don't want you to go to hell. And to prove to you that my way is correct, I'll go first. I'll go and get bruised. I'll be the first fruits. I'll be the one that dies and gets resurrected. I'll be the one first hated of a creation or hated of men for telling the truth. What an awesome God mm -hmm. that he's telling you it can be done. All right, verse 7. I think that's where I am. Six. Oh, six. Uh, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord have laid on him the iniquity of us all. So again, like we talked about in previous, um, I think it was last week or a couple of weeks, that, you know, the life of a shepherd, even someone who's a pastor or a teacher, you know, you have it hard at times because you do a lot of things and people forget you. Mm -hmm. But I think that every single office, the fivefold ministry is only for us to have a better understanding of Jesus. Mm -hmm. The Lord allows us to have children to have a better understanding of Jesus. The Lord allows us to have a husband or wife to have a better understanding of who Jesus Christ is mm -hmm. because you do suffer long. 
You do love. You do have peace, you know. And these things are to grow the fruit of the Spirit out of us. Now, it says here, all these chill, all these sheep have gone astray. So he's talking about Israel for sure, because this is Isaiah speaking. They had all gone away unto their own way. And he took the, he took the brunt of what they should have got. Verse 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. So he knew by coming here that he was not to defend himself. Okay, his sacrifice, he knew that he was to be that sacrifice. So when, you know, Pilate asked questions, you know, or asked him certain things, you haven't noticed Jesus didn't answer every question. Some things he remained quiet on, but then there were other things he answered. Like if they say, oh, are you the son of God? And he would say, yeah, that's why I'm here. You know, I am the, the king of the Jews, regardless of what the people think of me. But he came and he didn't come to defend himself. So even as Christians, as believers, to have a better understanding of Jesus, we have to lay our lives on the line. We cannot be selfish. This is true love. The fact that it's not even your fault. The fact that you go and deliver the gospel. You got people talking to you like, you know, talking down to you, wanting to fire you, don't even want to be friends with you. But it's not personal. Mm -hmm. You're bearing your cross to help them. All right, so it says, verse 8, He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people he was stricken. He was made uh, his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence, neither was there any deceit in his mouth. We can't even imagine this. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine no deceit in your mouth, no violence. You know, violence can go a lot further than physically harming someone. It can be things you say. Mm -hmm. It could be what you have in your thoughts towards another person. You know, the Lord is like, hey, if you think it, you, you pretty much did it. Right. If this is what you think of your neighbor, you are a murderer. So imagine that Jesus Christ came here with no mind like this whatsoever. Mm -hmm. It's an awesome thing. Verse 10, yet it pleased the Lord like the Father to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, uh, he shall see uh, his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. That word for bruise in the Hebrew, is it means to crush, to mar. So Jesus was marred, you know, and it pleased the Father that he got to murder his own son destroy his own son to redeem you and I. So that's why Jesus, you know, he's not here to play around. He wasn't here to play. The Holy Ghost is not here to play. The thing is, is either you believe Jesus Christ is Lord or you don't believe. And now the Holy Ghost will encourage us to pursue him. But if we choose not to, hey, that is the only redemption for us. This is the only salvation for us. It's just like missing the boat, plain and simple. Verse 11, I think that's where I am, yes. Uh, he shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he hath poured out his soul unto death, 
and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. So, you know, when it talks about he poured out his soul unto death, I want you guys to remember this, okay, because this is going to be significant um, coming up with what we're going to read. But, you know, it's just awesome how it talked about that he was numbered with the transgressors. You know, when you decide to follow the Lord, you're going to hear this. Everything that is going to be seen, that is going to seem, um, that we know is right, is going to be perceived as wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to be classified as the enemy of the state. You're going to be someone that doesn't want to go along with what everyone else believes. You're going to be considered a heretic. You're going to be considered crazy. You're going to be mocked. You're going to be scoffed. And you know something? Thank God for people like Noah that believed God no matter what was said, no matter what was done, no matter how long it took. Because if not for his faith, we wouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. So Noah was serving a greater purpose even than himself. And we're going to get into that. So let's go to Luke 17. So Noah was saved for the coming of Jesus Christ. So he understood the importance of his salvation. Had he not done it, had he, you know, fallen to, uh, you know, being scoffed and mocked, that would have been the end. If he was that weak an individual. And how long he had to endure it. Exactly. It wasn't just for a few days or a few weeks. It was like, what, 120 years he had to endure it? Exactly. All right, Luke 17, um, and we'll start at verse, we'll start at verse 19, or 18, or 19. Luke 17 and 19, and it says, And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. So Jesus' whole thing was about faith. This was about the ten lepers or the nine lepers, mm -hmm. and they ended up being healed. Verse 20. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation, neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. So this clearly takes a nature change because, again, how Jesus was that um, tabernacle that dwelt among us. Because when you hear the word dwelt, you look it up in the Greek, it's the same word for tabernacle, tabernacle. How he came and brought the kingdom inside of him is the way that God expects us to see the kingdom. There is no way to have the kingdom of God void of belief, void of having Jesus Christ built in us. So while you got everybody running from church to church looking for, looking for refuge to be saved, and it's like, you know, it's all about having Jesus Christ formed in you. That was Jesus' answer. The kingdom is within you. 22. And he said unto the disciples, The days will come when ye shall desire to, um, to, see, to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and ye shall not see it. And they shall say unto you, See here or see there. Go not after them, nor follow them. So the Lord right away was trying to take their minds off of what they see, what's before them, to get them to believe in a greater reality than the ones that they, the one that they're living in. So he said, you'll be desiring to see the Lord one day and he won't be here. But you're going to have, like he said in Matthew 24, many false prophets rising up saying, I am Christ. 
You know, we are the Mormons. We are the Jehovah Witnesses. We're in the truth. We are the Catholics. You know, we are the, whoever the false Christian churches are out there. But, you know, you're going to find that many will say that they would want to flock to them. Paul even spoke about these grievous wolves coming in after the truth was already preached. Okay, so what we look at here is, he's saying, don't pay attention to that. Don't follow them. Verse 24, for as the lightning that lighteth, that lighteneth out of one part under heaven shineth unto the other part under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. Okay, so he's making it clear. So the World Mission Society Church of God has no argument here. Jesus said how he would come. And isn't it funny when the Lord had always proclaimed something, he always told people what would be before it was. If you're looking for me, man, the whole sky is going to light up. So you can't believe in Asahang. You can't believe in this person or that person. I'm going to give you a significant sign to know who I am. And as for his followers, I'm going to give you significant signs so that you may know who's a believer. They will cast out devils. They shall, you know, speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. So this is what I'm saying is like the Lord is trying to get their minds out of walking by sight and only looking through faith. Why? Because behind that is a greater reality than our five senses, than the carnal mind. And this is why the carnal mind is an enemy of God. So the Lord said, do not look to a man. I'll be back. But this is how I'm coming. Verse 25, but first must he suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. The same applies to you and I. If we want to be saved in this life, we have to suffer many things in order to get to eternal life. So you see how the two go together. Verse 26, and as it was in the days of Noe, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. I like to say Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise also as it was in the days of Lot. They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. But the same day that Lot went out from Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. So we understand here that they're talking about looking on to Jesus and forgetting the world. If you're going to suffer many things, you've got to put the world behind you. But as for the people that weren't saved, did you notice? They ate, they drank, they married wives. They were given into marriage. So they were just living the regular life. That's all they were doing. Void of Jesus Christ. They were pursuing all things in the flesh. Okay. He said they sold, they built it, they planted, like just going on forward. Just how you're telling people about America, what's about to happen to America. You see how people are still waiting in line for the iPhone 8 or whatever it is. I mean, all night long, you know, buying up all the latest new video games. You see where people's minds are? They're so caught up in the here and now that they cannot hear Jesus. And this is why it says um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and 19, if you have hope only in this life in Jesus Christ, you are of all men most miserable. Because where you truly get to experience Jesus is to seek him here, but in hope of eternal life. Not just to be here religious, trying to include him with your day-to-day -day affairs. Verse 30, 
Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, uh, he shall, he which shall be upon the housetop, and his stuff in the houses, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife. Okay, because Lot's wife looked back. Lot's wife, I, I believe she had a heart after Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay, so regardless of what sin was there, she wanted to be there. And I'm not so sure that Lot didn't either, if it wasn't for the intercession of Abraham. Lot himself had to be dragged out to leave because he thought, you know, I'm going to be good where I am. And that's what many of us, we feel like we can be saved in sin and remain in sin and the Lord somehow is going to accept us. No, he's going to call for us to separate, to elevate. And we're going to find out why all of this is important. Whosoever shall seek and save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. I tell you that, that in that night there shall be two men in one bed, two men in one bed, and one shall be taken and the other shall be left. Two women shall be grinding together and one shall be taken and the other left. I do believe why he said two men in the bed, two women in the bed. This isn't about, I mean, or, or grinding. This isn't about homosexuality. This is talking about salvation as an individual affair. It's going to cut that close that two men could be in the bed. And the Lord is going to make no mistake on who, who he wanted to preserve that who sought him. So that means you can be sitting amongst 50 people. You guys can be tightly packed together. And the Lord already knows the one or two that he wants out of that group. So he's going to make no mistake. So just because you sleep or live with somebody doesn't mean that you and them are going to have the same faith. Just because you guys work at the same job so closely doesn't mean that you're going to have the same faith. Okay, the Lord, this is an individual affair. Right. All right, verse 36. Two men shall be in the field, and one shall be taken, and the other left. And they answered and said unto him, Where, Lord? And he said unto them, Wheresoever the body is thither, uh, will the eagles be gathered together. Okay, so you would have to read like Obadiah. We don't have time to go into that because this isn't the subject. Mm -hmm. But the point is, is he was talking about a time that this is kind of like a recap for Matthew 24. So was Luke 21. But this was a time when the Lord was also telling them that Jerusalem will be compassed with armies. Things would be going on that Jerusalem was about to be taken over. And remember the teaching we did on the last days, mm -hmm. that it talked about how there were people in the world, that well, there were people in, in, in Jerusalem that believed Jesus Christ. When they saw the armies in the book of Josephus, because he was a great historian, when there were armies round about, Jesus said, when you see these things, flee. So there were people that hearkened unto the words of Jesus and left. But then you had other people, remember the false prophets in the city told them, hey, relax, don't worry. You know, the Lord is going to come to deliver us. We have no need to worry. So while those people listened to these false prophets that were hired by Rome, uh, Jerusalem ended up being taken over by, um, I mean, they, they dug a trench around Masada and kept the people in there for seven years. No food going out or in. And the people became animals because they were eating each other. Women were cooking their own babies, trying to survive. And that's why he said in Matthew 24, Woe unto them that give suck in those days, 
because there wouldn't be food. There would be stuff going on. And those times are going to return again. But we have to ask ourselves, are we getting on the ark or are we not? Now, we're going to get into the significance of why the ark is symbolic for Jesus Christ. So we're going to go to Genesis 6, and we're going to start at verse 1. All right, Genesis 6 and 1, and it says, And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. So right away, I'm not going to argue with anybody that wants to believe what they want to believe. These are the times of Genesis 6, like at the book of Enoch even spoke about that, when it says the sons of God, these were speaking of Benai Elohim, which were speaking of fallen angels coming down and mating with the with the daughters of men. Okay? Now, people, that's a hard reality for some, but this is what happened. Okay? And they saw that they were fair, and they took them wives. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be an hundred and twenty years. So we can't let this shoot by us either because some people think that this means, or maybe it's dual prophecy. Some people think that man is kept out at about 80 to 120 years. I saw this myself and I kind of believed it. You know, like, yeah, you know, we are somewhere kept out about that. But you got to understand that it took 120 years for God's work to be complete before all flesh was condemned. Okay, so this is what it's also talking about. And there were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and bare great, and, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. Okay, so right away that word for giants was talking about the word Nephilim, which means fallen ones. Okay, so these were the angels that came into the earth, mated with earth women, and giants were produced. Now, I'm not making this up. This is right here in the Bible. This is what went on. If you read the book of Enoch, it will give you a true account as to what they were doing. They were teaching women how to commit abortions. They had men on psychedelic drugs. I mean, doing all sorts of drugs and things. I actually should get the book of Enoch over there, but they had men involved with all this corrupt stuff, teaching them about witchcraft teaching them how to mix and splice species of animals so that way they would, you know, create these hybrids. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can't believe in what the world says as far as Greek mythology is concerned. No, there's no such thing as Greek mythology. These things actually happen. The Egyptians even had in their hieroglyphics a man on his knees with a crocodile head. Now, these can't be the figment of someone's imagination. Nope. This had to be reality. But this is the wickedness that was in the earth at this time. Totally, and unfortunately, um, a lot of the so-called churches today don't—they won't preach this either because they know it. They don't know it themselves, or they know it, but they don't want to tell the truth because they themselves are being paid to stay quiet. Because I've heard it before, like saying that it was the what the the daughters of Canaan or the daughters of Seth. 
yeah, the daughters of Canaan and or the sons of Canaan and the sons of Seth are the ones that went back and forth. But no, if it says literal giants, then he's talking about literal giants, and it's not just one being. It's not one seed being good against another seed, but they try and take that away. Absolutely, you know, and this is something that. Um, you know, the Lord really had to do. So I'm going to read a little of the book of Enoch here because um, I want to make a comparison. Now, a lot of people don't like this book, but, you know, it was referenced many times. Uh, we don't have time to go into that tonight. Go to soundoftrumpetministries.com and uh, look up. There were giants in the earth in those days. I think we did another teaching on demons that they can look up to confirm. But this is what the book of Enoch says. And it came to pass when the children of men had multiplied... Uh, that in those days were born unto them beautiful and comely daughters. So we have a match here. And the angels, the children of the heaven, saw and lusted after them and said to one another, Come, let us choose us wives from among the children of men and beget us children. Okay, so we understand here that this is a match. So this is clearly speaking of angels in the earth messing around with man. Mm -hmm. All right, and Simjaza, which was one of the names of the fallen angels, who was their leader, said unto them, I fear ye will not indeed agree to do this deed, and I alone shall have to pay the penalty of a great sin. And they all answered him and said, Let us all swear uh, an oath and uh, all bind ourselves by mutual, by mutual imprecations not to abandon this plot but to do this thing. Now, some people would say, you know, what? Do what thing? We're going to get there. Then swear they all together and bound themselves by mutual imprecations upon it. Okay, so we understand. And they were in all 200 who ascended in the days of Jared on the summit of Mount Hermon. And they called it Mount Hermon because they had sworn and bound themselves by mutual imprecations upon it. So we understand here that Mount Hermon is still around to this day, right around Lebanon, that still exists. And you understand why it's called Mount Hermon and where these fallen angels had landed. Now, some people may disagree with this. And the reason I'm going here is so we can all get a glimpse of what really went on in the Bible. Okay, so from here, let's go to um, uh, Second Peter. No, matter of fact, let's go to Jude 1. Well, there's only one Jude. So let's go there. We'll save Second Peter for later. Okay. All right, Jude uh, 1 and 6, and it says, And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness until the judgment of the great day. So this makes clear that the angels did not keep their first estate. The Bible even references this story that they were angels and they decided to go down and mess around with man. Mm -hmm. All right. And then it says, uh, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them and like man are giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh. See? Are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal life. Um, likewise, also, these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, 
despise dominion, and, and speak evil of dignities. So these are people that don't want the Lord. These are people that are caught up in what they want to do. Okay, so you can say these are many people that will not hearken unto the voice of God. Mm -hmm. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, does not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. But these speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally as brute beasts, and those things they corrupt themselves. So you see, without God, man is a beast. And this is why we read earlier in uh, Psalm 64 that they wet their tongue like a sword and they speak against the Lord. So you see, these are brute beasts that do this, that will not hearken unto the Lord. Lord, I mean, God, stay with us. You know, we're going to get to Noah's Ark. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the era of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying, which is speaking against, of Kor. These are spots in your feast of charity when they feast with you, feeding of themselves without fear. Clouds they are without water, carried about with of winds, trees whose fruit withereth without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. So these guys have no life. They are not seeking eternal life. They don't want to be first fruits of God. They want to be down here like Cain and wither away. Verse 13, raging waves of the sea foaming out of their own shame, wandering stars of whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. So you see, these were the fallen angels that did this, and this was man that linked up with the angels, and this was the end result. Yep. So I went here because I want to go into this and show people exactly what these angels had taught man, and then we can go right back into the lesson. So it says, they all agreed, all right, by imprecations. This is verse 7. And these are the names of their leaders, Simjaza, their leader, Arakiba, Ramael, Cocobel, Tomlel, uh, Ramael, uh, Donel, Ezekiel, Barraquiel, uh, Esael, uh, Amaros, uh, what is that? <laughs> Bartarki, uh, Bartario, Bartarel, uh, Ananel, Zekael. All right, I'm just going to go on and on. And, and these are the names of the chief of tens. I know they sound like Ninja Turtles, but these are the chiefs of tents. All right, this is chapter 7. And all the others together with them took unto themselves wives, and each chose for himself one. And they began to go in unto them uh, and to defile themselves with them. So these angels were having sex with women, pretty much. Verse 2. And they taught them charms and enchantments. Okay, so these are things that the Lord told man to stay away from. Go to Deuteronomy 18 in your spare time where it talks about that they're not supposed to deal with charmers or consulter of familiar spirits. So this is what they were taught. And the cutting of roots and make them acquainted with herbs. So they were teaching these guys how to do witchcraft and to experiment with herbs. Now, you know, they weren't talking about growth and health. This is where they probably got marijuana from. This is where they got all these other psychedelic drugs to get high. And they became pregnant and bore great giants whose height was 3,000 L's uh, who consumed all the acquisition of men. 
And when men could no longer sustain them, the giants turned against them and devoured mankind. So they were cannibals. They went and they went and ate men, and they probably taught man how to do this too. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, verse 5. And they began to sin against birds and beasts and reptiles and fish, and to devour one another's flesh and drink the blood. Then the earth laid accusation against the lawless ones. Okay, so we understand that even though people will talk about that um, this didn't happen, then you wonder why, if you go to Leviticus, why the Lord says, "If you lie with man like you lie with an if you lie with an animal like you lie with man, it's an abomination." Mm -hmm. Okay, because these giants were, you know, messing around with these animals. I believe in that way, but they were also corrupting species and splicing the same technology that they have today. Mm -hmm. All right, so it says, so they drank the blood. So they were vampires, you know, pretty much. They were blood drinkers, chapter 8. And Azazel taught men to make swords and knives and shields and breastplates and made known to them the metals of the earth and the art of working them and bracelets and ornaments and the use of intimity and the beautifying of the eyelids. So they taught men about makeup, how to do all this stuff. And why did they do that? Look at this. And all kinds of costly stones and all coloring tinctures. And there arose much godlessness, and they committed fornication. And many were led astray and became corrupt in all their sins. Okay, so they beautified the eyelids and taught them how to do that. Now, come on, men, you know, out there listening, you know that when women are made up, you know, it's enticing to a man. Her eyes look bigger, you know, more seductive. You know, the way that she looks, she may be able to cover some stuff up or whatever, you know. But it's all about, you know, trying to entice men to do these things. Mm -hmm. Now, these were taught by the fallen angels. And you got billion-dollar industries on this stuff. All right, so it says, um, Sinjaza taught enchantments and cutting of roots. So he taught how to cast spells and how to do witchcraft, Amoros, the resolving of enchantments. So Amoros would teach you, okay, if someone puts these on you, this is how you take it off. Okay, so this is why a lot of people in the New Age feel like they've got power to be able to take off spells and things like that, not realizing they're using witchcraft of demons to deal with witchcraft. Okay, so that's not really taking care of the issue that will appease, that will make one demon appease another. And to keep you in captivity, they'll just back off. Okay, we're going to make it seem like this thing actually worked. So it's really like enchantment. So now the demon backs off, but that person is bound thinking that they have power. Mm -hmm. Like Jesus says, Satan doesn't turn against Satan. All right, so it says, um, so he taught that Baraquil taught astrology. Coco Bell taught constellations. Uh... Ezekiel taught the knowledge of the clouds, Arakiel the signs of the earth, Shamsael the signs of the sun, and uh, Sariel the course of the moon. So people understand that the sun was moving again and the earth was moving. We ain't got time to get into that, but these things were, were taught by the angels, and this is probably where they get their meteorology. This is where at one point the watchers, the angels, were going around. Now they have digital angels that will follow the courses of how to go around the earth. So you see, man was quite dumb, and he was taught these things by the enemy. And as men perished, they cried, and their cry went up into heaven. 
And uh, so, you know, we're not going to go into chapter 9 unless we got time, but these are some of the things that were going on is why men were caught up in these things. Let's go to Deuteronomy 18 real quick, and then we'll go right back to Genesis 6 and get into this story. Because this is really about how it is like Jesus, but I want people to get a glimpse of what was really going on. Can you imagine a world so insane? More importantly, can you imagine that Jesus Christ said that as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be around his time coming. So things are going to really get crazy. All right, so Deuteronomy 18. And we'll go to verse um, 9. Deuteronomy 18 and 9, and it says, When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abomination of these nations. Now remember, they came out of Egypt. Egypt's gods were the, were the same fallen angels that we were sitting here naming. All these false religions. So he said, do not do after them. All right, verse uh, 10. There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire, or that useth divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter. So you see, you already have the divination, the observer of times, and the enchanter or witch. Or a charmer, remember that was mentioned, or a consulter of familiar spirits. Okay, so an observer would be astrology. So this is the same thing that they were going on that they were told not to do. So this is what the Lord is warning them about again. A consulter with familiar spirits are those like mediums. Okay, people like uh, the movie Ghost, where you go and you become the go-between in the spirit realm and the physical world. Mm -hmm. With a lot of New Age babble or a wizard, which is a male witch, or a necromancer, or those who consort with the dead. Now, they're not dealing with the dead. They're dealing with the familiar spirits that will pretend to be of the dead. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. Thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God. So he's telling them that this is what was necessary, but... If people want to know what was going on in Noah's time, this is what was going on in Noah's time. So we can go back to Noah, uh, Genesis 6. And Jesus said, before his time. Now, isn't it funny how Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. So the, the days of Noah went on like they did, and then Noah builds the ark. You know? The people are doing what they're doing, and then the Lord comes back. So you see how it, it goes on there? How Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. We're going to get there, but the point is, is just before the coming of salvation or total protection, you know, there was this wickedness. Mm -hmm. And Jesus said it's going to be the exact same way. So Jesus truly is the ark of Noah. And we're going to find out. There's so many ways why this is so. So Genesis 6, and I believe we stopped at 4. So they became mighty men which were of old, men of renown, the giants. Verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. 
I mean, can you imagine? Because if this went on before, this will happen again. And you can see how men are becoming beasts. We've done teachings on that. People shaving their heads. I mean, you got boys and girls looking like, I mean, it's hard to tell them apart now. You know, it's just everything is turned upside down. Women, no respect for their bodies, just giving up the sex. Sarah told um, last week, week. tell it again about the girl. Yeah, uh, it was made mention how this woman had put it on Facebook, or it was found on Facebook, that she was willing to sell her virginity for a million dollars to any man that would take her so she could pay for school. And people were kind of laughing and scoffing at that. I'm like, that's not at all funny because now you're worth, you, you find no worth in yourself. I'm not, I'm not propagating humanism, but you're, like you said, your chastity is worth more than what you will know because God intended for us to only have that with one other person in holy matrimony, and that's it. But people are just so, well, I need to go to school, so what should I lose? Mm-hmm. What value to me can I lose so I can go to school? And what is it propagated today? Sex sales, right? Mm-hmm. So everyone just, oh, I don't need to be a virgin. That's so old school, and you're not cool if you're a virgin. Satan's turning upside down. Upside down, and you see how just the value is gone away. Mm-hmm. Everybody is living like animals, doing what they want to do. And mm-hmm. these things are not of the Lord. I mean, exactly. so... This is what he's talking about, evil continually. This is what we're turning back to. The only way that this can be done was taking the Lord off the scene. Mm -hmm. Once you've got no God to to repent before, once you have no fear of God, like we read in those two Psalms, you see what man turns into? Because I evolved, according to these lying scientists. I'm an animal. I'm just an evolved animal, but that's where I really come from. So if you don't understand the value behind why the Lord does what he does or what he's given us, man, we can easily resort to beasts. Mm-hmm. Think about how we lived before we knew the Lord. Oh that goodness. ought to tell you we would have been able to fit right in with Noah's world. Mm-hmm. All right, so it says, um, verse 6, And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. Now, some people would say, well, why did the Lord make man if he knew man was going to do this? Well, the Lord knew what was going to happen, but the Lord also recognized that if he wanted to control man, you know, then, I mean, come on. So this had to happen. He didn't want to control man. He wanted to give a man man a free will. But it still grieved him at his heart because, you know, man became defiled, even though he had a purpose for this. Even though he would find one man that would do that which was right, he still gave them all equal chance, but none of them would obey. Okay, so that's on them. Verse 7, And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air. For it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Okay, so Noah would have been that person that Jesus was talking about in Mark 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Mm -hmm. The only thing, like we read in Isaiah 53, why man would be able to um, get over with the grace of God, because what was due that happened to Jesus, what was supposed to happen to us, 
All we were scheduled for was God's wrath. Mm -hmm. That's what we were appointed to. And Jesus took the brunt in for us so that we would not have to go. That's right. Okay, so Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. So Noah, oh, and Noah walked with God. Mm -hmm. So Noah walked with the Lord. He was just. It doesn't say he was perfect. It said he was perfect in his generations. Now, if you had, after we read Jude and we read uh, Enoch that talked about how man and, you know, that the fallen angels were down there mating with earth women, then perfect in his generations means that Noah's family was untouched with the seed of the Nephilim. That's what this is about. Noah kept his family right. And this is the only thing that God is coming back for. Not a machine man, not a man mixed with animal, okay? Not a cyborg. He's only coming back for what he made. That's right. All right, verse 10. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now, you know, Japheth, the Japhetic people, were the people that dealt like in Europe and, you know, uh, other areas. They were um, like the northern tribe. Then you had Ham that went into areas of Africa and some other spots. But Shem is where the Messiah came from. And if you look up Ham's bloodline and, and Japheth's bloodline, they also became corrupted in the earth. So we took the seed of Shem that God needed to produce the Messiah, to bring him forward. All right, the earth was also, the earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So you see how the Bible doesn't really elaborate on all of this, but you notice how it does speak about some things in the ends, you know, in Peter and Jude and, and Colossians, yeah. because the, the Bible here is focusing on what the earth was full of. But if you look at the end of the Bible that talks more about it, it should tell you that the book of Enoch and the book of Jasher was valid yeah. because they're putting emphasis on what this was. Mm -hmm. So it was full of violence and God looked upon the earth and behold, it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. So you see all flesh had corrupted. He wasn't just talking about man. He was talking about animals. And what did it say? Those fallen angels sinned against the birds and the reptiles and the creeping things of the earth. Verse 13, and God said unto Noah, and by the way, Noah means rest. Isn't that awesome? Hmm. Noah means rest. That's what the, you know, the word means anyways. Uh, and God said unto Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Hold where you are, because I'm going to go into, uh, let's go to um, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Like he's giving me driving lessons. Make a left, a left. Just go to it. All right. Second Timothy chapter three. We'll start at verse one. And it says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy 
without natural affection. So beast affection, you know, without mm -hmm. the affections of a, of a normal person. Mm -hmm. All right. Truce breakers. That means they won't keep contracts. False accusers. Incontinent, meaning uncontrollable. Fierce. Despisers of those that are good. Traitors. Heady. High-minded. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Okay, so these are people that, you know, would appear like they wanted Jesus. These were probably people that would have called themselves good by their own rights in Noah's day. But when he came down to it, the Lord gave directions. And for all who didn't follow, they didn't make it. For of this sort are they which lead, which uh, creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins. These are women that are not developed. These are kind of like spiritual dwarfs, mm -hmm. women that never really reach their full potential in Christ. And these guys lead the churches. I mean, like you wouldn't believe they're everywhere. A lot of, a lot of men would say, you know, I don't want to go back to go see Joel Steen or get into any of this garbage. And you got that wife there because she's got such an affection for this dork, you know, and Creflo Dollar and the rest of them. That they'll sit there and, oh, no, he's a good man of God and you need to show more love because they're led by their emotions. I'm not saying this. The Bible is saying this. Mm -hmm. So they're laden with sins, led away by diverse lust, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, these are a lot of people in the world when it comes to finding Jesus Christ. You've got people out there that will... Um, you know, learn different things. They may have studied the Bible and they may think, well, I know this too, but they have not accepted Jesus Christ. They use this as a thing to, oh, well, I got a lot of information. I know a lot of stuff. But when it comes down to relationship, when it comes down to doing what the word says, they can't follow. And this is why it says ever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, as Jannies and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds. You see how that corrupt keeps getting mentioned? Reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men as theirs was. Okay, so the word reprobate is being used here as God has given over. So let's go to Romans chapter 1, and we'll go right back to Genesis 6. Because I don't want to just go through the whole Noah thing. I also want to show the nature mm -hmm. of those that, that were on the earth that would not hearken unto the voice of the Lord. Exactly. All right. Now, this is talking about, again, you know, we went into um, uncleanness and vile affections. So man was pretty corrupt. Um, matter of fact, I'll just cut right through this. Um verse 20. We'll start at verse 20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world, you see, from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Now, if you think that that corrupt man back then didn't know who God was, you're mistaken. Mm -hmm. If fallen angels can come out of the sky and mate with earth women, 
then these people were well aware of spiritual power. Those angels couldn't have come from nowhere, but people decided to be with these angels because why didn't Noah's family get raped? Mm -hmm. Think about it. So there was some type of choice that I believe God still had a barrier that said, no, I'm not going to follow you. I'm going to pursue the Lord. Right. But you had other people that were in awe and learning all this knowledge and pursuing these angels that they just went along with it. All right, so he says um, they are without excuse because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Now, this brings the story of Noah even more to life. What did the Bible say? That through their imaginations, that their, um, their hearts were corrupted and they all they could think about was evil continually. Mm -hmm. So this is the same sort of people we're talking about professing themselves to be wise because they achieved all his knowledge, they became fools. And I'm sure that they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and to four-footed beasts and to creeping things. Mm -hmm. These angels probably had them worshiping all sorts of things because if they're speaking here of these creeping things, maybe like astrology, your horoscope, yep. you know, or the, the zodiac signs, it's the same thing that was going on then in Noah's day. Mm -hmm. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who was blessed forever. Amen. So this can have a different term. Every The Bible makes clear in um, Colossians 1, it makes clear in Colossians 2, it makes clear in John 1 that all things were created by Jesus and for Jesus, including principalities and powers and dominions and thrones. They were all made by Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So you could say here that the creature was worshipped more than the creator. Exactly. You know, they saw these angels and they decided to deal with them. Verse 26, for this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. So right away, when you know, I agree with Pastor Price when he says even their women. That shows, man, for society to go down this low. And I would even say for women to sleep with fallen angels or to get mixed with animals like they were doing, man, society has got to be real low. Mm -hmm. Now, you know that they're speaking of sodomy and homosexuality here. But there's also the corruption that is going on with mind, with man's mind. All right, so they changed the um, vile affections for even their women. They changed the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another. I mean, one toward um, another man with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was me. Now, I personally believe, Steve Quayle mentioned this, and I believe this. If the angels that were in Noah's day messed around with the animals, why wouldn't they do it to man? Okay, Noah's day, um, Steve Quayle even said when the giants, that there are tablets on Celtic writings and all these other times that the Romans were around, that when the, when the Romans, I mean, when the giants did not find women to rape or to do things to, that they preferred the company of themselves. 
So homosexuality was taught to man, I believe, by these fallen angels. Mm -hmm. And I believe this is why flesh became corrupted. And God said, I want nothing to do with this. Mm -hmm. Okay, because if you look at the Spartans, if you look at Alexander and his forces, if you look at Julius Caesar and his forces, all of them were bisexual or homosexual. Even Israel, you know, as we read in Genesis 19 and we read in... Um, uh, Judges 19, the corruption that was going on with this sin. So the vile affection, I believe personally, was taught to man by the fallen angels. It only makes sense. Yep. Verse 28, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which were not convenient. Now, if Noah was a preacher of righteousness, then you know that Noah had to go out there and tell people, not to mess around with this stuff. Guys, serve the one true God. How could he be the only one walking with God and no one else? God didn't speak to anyone else. He was the only one that would. Mm -hmm. So therefore, he would have been one, like Jesus said, believed. So God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. When the Lord said that wickedness was all over the earth, and the earth was full of violence, then you've got to know that they were already reprobate. Mm -hmm. Because if they could have been saved, the Lord would have said, Noah, go and talk to these people and bring them in. But he saw how corrupt. He said the world was full of violence. Man, I, I can't do anything with this. This is a mess. So I'm going to get rid of them, and I'm going to start over. Look at 29. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God. Now, you know, when Jesus says, I mean, when uh, uh, James says, friendship with the world is the enemy of God, then, you know, what did Jesus say? You will love one master and you will hate the other. Mm -hmm. So those people that follow these angels could not have loved God. They hated God. Mm -hmm. That's the only way that you can do these things in his face. Despiteful, proud, boasters. You remember we were talking about them? Inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that which that which they I mean that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only to the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. So man could only think of evil continually. Man was, excuse me, was full of violence. All right, let's go back to Genesis 6. But you see how the Bible just comes to life? If you just pull one or two things apart, yep. you can get a real glimpse of what the Lord was dealing with. Oh, yeah. Lord got me going into stuff. I ain't even have a plan. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> All right, Genesis 6. And I believe we stopped at... Um, Verse 13, and it says, And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence. You see that? Through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Uh, rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and pitch, and pitch it within and without the pitch. I mean, pitch uh, within and without with pitch. Okay, so... You know, if we want to compare the ark to Jesus, because I don't think we have time to get into every single thing, 
But the ark itself was made of gopher wood. What was Jesus' cross made with? Wood. Okay, so he was saying to make this to be able to save people. And then he said to make rooms in this. Okay, so this is interesting. So you got the gopher wood, and he says to make room. So we're going to go to two scriptures to make sense of this. All right, so from here, let's go to, um, let's go to, uh, I'm losing my thought here. Let's go to um, John 14. And it says, well, I'm just going to read of 15, sorry, while you guys get there. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make of it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, and breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and a cubit shalt thou find above, and the door of the ark shalt thou set uh, in the side thereof, with lower second and third story shalt thou make it. So we're going to have to break this thing up. All right, so let's go to, um, I said go to John 14. Mm -hmm. Okay. John 14, we'll start at verse 1. Now remember, Jesus said, I will suffer many things first before the Son of Man cometh. Okay? Now, if Jesus is this ark, think about how he told Noah to make an ark of gopher wood. It was almost like getting it prepared just before, you know, suffering would take place. All right, so this is John 14. I can hurry up and get there. John 14, and it says, Let not your heart be troubled. It was almost like he could be telling Noah this, even though he wasn't. But let not your heart be troubled. Uh, ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, uh, I go to prepare a place for you. So right away, the Lord told Noah, get this thing up, get it ready, get it going, and I will go to prepare a place for you. Then it says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you. So what did the Lord do? He had Noah preparing this ark. You know, and then when the time came, let's not get ahead of it, unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I ye go, I mean, I go ye know, and the way ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we, not, we know not whether thou goest, and how can we know uh, the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. Okay, so Jesus is making it clear he is the way. So this ark would be the way. He told Noah to construct it. He said to make many rooms in it. Mm -hmm. Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. And in my Father's house there are many mansions Okay, and if he said, if there weren't, I would not have told you. Okay, so from here, let's go to Matthew 6. Because the funny thing about this is that ark also had a window, he said, to build at the top of it, at the top of the ark.
Matthew 6. And it was only one window. Isn't that one funny? Yep. All right. So it says, Matthew 6 and 19. Look at what Jesus says. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So the Lord made it clear that this ark was going to be covered. There will be no way, no, no way to see what was going on. But he told them to make a window in the top of it that all they could do was look up. You guys want to see something? Look up. So he's telling them to set their affections on high and not be low. I mean, that's pretty awesome if you think about it. All right. And then he says, all right, one second, 22. <laughs> the light of the body is the eye. Hmm. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. So if you can see through this window or you keep your eyes looking upwards, your eye should be full of light. And then it says, but if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? So look at how, you know, if you're not looking up at that light in the window, then you're looking down or around you, you know, on the earth or on level ground, and there's nothing but darkness. But there's only one window that points towards light. Awesome. Verse 23, no, I think 24. Yeah. No man can serve two masters, for either, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, what did Jesus say? As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be. They were marrying, giving into marriage. They were building. They were doing this and that until the day that Noah entered into the ark. So once that happened, all this stuff ceased. But you see, those people were trying to serve this master here. And God said, well, since you're there, you're corrupt. I'm taking what I need, and I'm going on. What were you going to say? I was also going to say, um, if windows had been put around the sides of the ark, when stuff was going on, the people, maybe they would have looked outside as to what was going on. There's the violence, right. Kind of like what Peter did when he walked out on the water. Instead of keeping his focus straight forward on Jesus Christ, he started looking around. At Absolutely. Absolutely. That is a perfect thought, because they would have been looking at everything else mm -hmm. but he wanted them looking up that's the only reason for that light there right. he could have made sure and then some people would say well couldn't that just be because he didn't want water getting in look if they made it over with pitch and the lord said to do that to seal it up then there was nothing getting through there and i'll tell you what if the ark is jesus christ and we're supposed to have jesus christ formed in us then that ark with the pitch has to be the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. It has to be that which keeps us sealed in Christ Jesus. I mean, this is pretty awesome when you think about it. That pitch can even be the blood of Jesus, which um, covers all sins of the earth. So that blood could have covered the ark through and through. Right. That nothing would get in, that nothing would stop salvation. Nothing would keep us from being on the cross and focused on the cross. Mm -hmm. All right, let's go to Matthew 16.
know, some people think, man, you found all of this? You crazy. Ain't no way in the world this all adds up to that. What's that? Carnal minds. That's right. All right. Uh, Matthew 16. All right, so I'll go to... Um, Let's go to verse 13. Matthew uh, 16 and 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, that I, the Son of Man, am? So you see how Jesus is always bringing them to, Who am I? Do you believe in me? Who have believed our report? He's always bringing it back to, like, this is critical. Because you can say something else. Oh, he was a good prophet, man. You out. You, you don't even get it. Mm -hmm. You know, but if you understand truly who Jesus Christ was, like people didn't understand why Noah was building that ark. Mm -hmm. this, is, this is exactly why, you know, we need to stay focused exactly. and know Jesus. Verse 24. And they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist. What? 14. He says 24. Oh, 14. Sorry. And they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, and one of the prophets, or one of the prophets, he saith unto them, But whom do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answering and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. So isn't it funny about the flesh and blood? Flesh and blood didn't give you this. Flesh and blood is corrupted. Mm -hmm. Flesh and blood is outside of the ark. Right. Okay, but I'm talking about what's in the ark. You know, he said, only the Father revealed this to you. Yep. So it was the Spirit. Verse 18, And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it or shall not prevail against it. 19. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever shall be loosed on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then shall he, and he, he then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. From the time forth began, Jesus must eschew unto his disciples how that he must go uh, unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chiefs, priests, and scribes, and be killed and be raised again the third day. So I understand that Jesus said to tell no one he was the Christ. They had figured it out. If you understand the story with Noah, Noah, the book of Jasher really talks a lot about this too and Enoch, that Noah was told to go away. Go and build this ark. Don't stay where you are, where these people are. Mm -hmm. So he was already done with them. Noah believed that he was God. This is who I'm working with. Come with me. All right, so verse 22. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Again, we're having this separation between God and men again. Mm -hmm. Now, Peter, in his sincerity and in his feelings, 
tried to rebuke the Lord saying, don't believe that this is going to happen to you. Jesus is like, I've got work to do. I'm doing the will of my father. But he understood that there was a spirit of the world trying to pull him back and away from his calling. Yeah. So he had to rebuke that spirit sharply. Now he's got Peter back. Verse 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Now, you don't think that Noah denied himself for 120 years? Mm -hmm. Don't you think that Noah found things that were more important that he thought that he could think of? But he denied himself and, you know, pretty much got on his cross. Mm -hmm. He built the ark and he followed after what God commanded him. Right. All right, verse 25. For whosoever uh, will... For whosoever will shall his life shall for whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. So Noah sacrificed to build, those people sacrificed to play. Okay, they didn't want to believe in Noah, they did their thing. For what is for what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world? and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? So you understand here that Noah sacrificed everything to save his soul and the souls of others, where there were others out there that didn't want it. Okay, so we can move on from here. Let's go to John 10, and then we'll move on. Now remember, this door, this ark only had one door. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of cool how Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth, and I am the life. Exactly. Now, he was the way into the ark, or to get free from God's judgment. He was the um, the truth, because there was going to be a flood. And this ark was the only thing that you had to get into in order to survive. And he was the life, because as we're going to read, that the life, the breath of God, was in this ark to sustain Noah and his family. Yep. John 10. And we'll start at verse 1. John 10 and 1 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. So that would be Noah leading his people. He was the shepherd of the sheep. But Jesus Christ is this ark. Mm -hmm. All right, verse 3. Take him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. You don't think Noah knew the voice of the Lord? He walked with the Lord. So when the Lord told him to do it, he did everything that the Lord commanded him to do. And a stranger will they not follow, but will um, flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This stranger can be the fallen angels. They could have come, hey, you want to get into this? You want to hang with me? You want to do this? Noah was like, I'm sure they found Noah. They knew who he was. Noah probably looked at them like they're crazy. You know, like... I ain't hanging out with you guys, but Noah only hearkened unto the voice of the Lord, where the other sheep heard the voice of the stranger, and that's where they went. 
Uh, this parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. So, you know, the earth was full of violence, full of corruption, full of people like this, before the Lord had to proclaim judgment. Mm -hmm. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. So you see that? That the Lord was the ark, that they went into the door, and they shall live, and they shall find pasture. The thief cometh not, but for to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. I am, I am come that they met, that thou might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. So right away the fallen angels came to steal, they came to kill, and they came to destroy. Jesus came to build this ark to flood the earth, so that his people may live and have life more abundantly. All right, I am the good shepherd, a good shepherd giveth his life for his sheep. But he that is an hireling is not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not. Seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth, and the wolf catches them, and, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he is an hireling, and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. Okay, so Jesus is making it clear that, you know, um, he would take care of his sheep. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. So this was the ark that Noah laid out, that the Lord told him to, but that ark was Jesus Christ. We can go back to um, Genesis 6. The rest should go pretty smoothly. But I just wanted to make these key points. Make sure I didn't forget anything. Okay. All right, so he said to build it. It was 30 cubits. Um, he said the length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. Um, a window shalt thou make to the ark, and a cubit shalt thou finish um, it above. And the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof, uh, with lower second uh, and third stories shalt thou make it. So this thing had three stories, and then it's also talking about how um, this arc, I mean, this door would be on the side. Somehow, I believe this door was on the right side. What do you think? When he told them to try and catch fish, remember, he said, put the, um, put the net on the right side and yeah. catch men. I bet you this door was on the right side, but I can't even prove it. <laughs> and Jesus sits on the right hand of the Father. Mm -hmm. And behold... I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth and destroy all flesh wherein is the breath of life from under heaven and everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee I will establish my covenant and thou shalt make into the ark thou, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. So right away the Lord said that he's going to destroy all flesh He's going to cause a flood. And um, he was also talking about these three stories. So I want to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And then we can get uh, 
First Thessalonians 5, and then I want to get 1 Peter 3. But we're going to 1 Thessalonians 5 first. Sunday and Tuesday night. Okay, 1 Thessalonians 5, and we'll start at 1. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child and they shall not escape. So look at how Jesus says in the days of Noah, and how it will be in the, the coming of the Son of Man. Now we know that this did happen, that they did not escape. Verse 4, But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Why? Because we hear the shepherd's voice, we go through the right door, okay? And we, we are following the good shepherd. Okay, so, anyway, exactly. <laughs> So we are following the true shepherd. That's right. I rebuke the spirits that come against this. Amen. All right. So it says, but ye brethren are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day of the day. Uh, we are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as as do others. But let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken, are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet and hope of salvation. So this is interesting. People in the world were full of darkness in Noah's day. They refused to come to the light. He's talking about that his people wouldn't be of the light. They're here talking about that the people that sleep in the night are drunken and given into drunkenness. Mm -hmm. Now, what did um, Jesus said? They were drinking and eating and marrying and given into marriage until Noah entered into the ark. Yep. So these are two kinds of people, those that will hear it and those that won't. Verse 9, for God hath not appointed us to wrath, see, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So he had not even appointed those people unto wrath. For those that would hear, those were the people that could have gotten in. Mm -hmm. But those people were full of violence, did not want to hear Jesus. Right. So this is another example of how Jesus is the ark. Verse 10, who died for us, that whether we uh, awake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. And I know Noah did this because the Bible says that he was a preacher of righteousness. Mm -hmm. And we beseech you, brethren, to know uh, to know them which labor among you and are over you uh, in the Lord and admonish you, like correct you or warn you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. And this is what I'm talking about. When people don't understand what Noah was doing, 
people don't even understand the, the teachers, the pastors, the prophets that the Lord had given them, that they would admonish the people, warn the people that they're supposed to be held high in esteem. Why? Because they're trying to deliver people. They're trying to get people on this ark. They're not just kicking back, building the ark in secret, and not letting anybody know. Now, eventually, it did get to that point because the Lord was ready to go. All right, verse 14. Now, we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men, see that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesies so see the lord can tell people stuff but people this is why when you tell people about the end of the world or what's going to happen to america or what jesus christ plans to do or how the devil has plans and the world hates you for it why because you're speaking of the prophecies of jesus christ people hate you for this why because they love the world and that makes them automatically the enemy of god mm -hmm. they don't want to see this hell hole in Verse 21, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Abstain from the appearance of evil, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. This ark had three levels. I believe they represented spirit, soul, and body. Now, they were preserved to be held blameless. Now, who can do that other than Jesus? This is what this ark did. This ark even represented the outer court, the inner court, the most holy place, which was the temple of God. So, they were in Christ Jesus, having their souls, their spirits, and their bodies preserved blameless until the Lord was over with judgment. So, you see how this works out? So this is what I believe that those three levels of the ark represented. It could have even been Father, Son, Holy Ghost. You know, anytime there's a trinity or there's a three, there's something to that. I don't know why you were looking over there. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with an holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. Uh, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Let's go back to, um, where did I say to go next? First Peter 3, right? Let's go to First Peter chapter 3. Okay. You looking for the angels? No, we're going to start in 15. 1 Peter 3, we'll start at verse 15. And it says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You don't think Noah had to answer this? Why are you building that boat, you fool, out in the middle of whatever? What are you doing? For 120 years, he put up with this, but he kept on working. With meekness and fear, he did it. Verse 16, 
having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evil doers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. You see this? So Noah suffered 120 years building this ark that, um, you know, instead of doing the evil, he could have just gone out and joined the party. Yep. I don't see any rain. I'm going to go and do what I want to do. Verse 18, For Christ also hath uh, once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us uh, to God, being put to death in the flesh, which quickeneth, by our, which quickened by the Spirit, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, with some time, which sometime were disobedient, when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is eight souls, were saved by water. So we understand. All right, we're going to keep going, but. Eight souls were saved by water through Noah's righteous doing. Mm -hmm. Verse 21. And like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth uh, of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now we got to understand this too, because it's going to be two birds we're going to knock out with one stone. One, it talked about the ark. It talked about the flood being as a type of baptism. Now, you know, when you are baptized, you leave the world behind and you pursue Jesus Christ in the new birth. Sarah brought up a good point that if we have this so-called firmament and there was a flood and how babies last for 40 weeks, that this 40 days and 40 nights of rain could have been a rebirth, you know, like a woman's water breaking or a woman being in travail. So that is an interesting point, how this womb, which the Bible does call the world a type of matrix, was the rebirthing of Jesus Christ in Noah and, and his family. So you see how this ark just plays into it. Yep. But it says, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So again, it talks away putting away the filthy flesh. Noah did that. He pursued the Lord. He built this ark. And here we go, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, verse 22 who has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. Okay, so from here we can go back to Genesis 6, because we're going to find out about this resurrection. I believe we're at Genesis 6 and um, 18. 18. So um, 17 says, And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth and destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. So everything not heavenly minded, everything that shouldn't be looking at, that should be looking up at this window, that's not everything that did not go through the door. All right, or, or on this cross will die. Mm -hmm. Okay? So it says in verse 18, 
but with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. And of every living thing of, of all flesh, two of every sort, shalt thou bring unto the ark, and keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female, of fowls after every kind, and the cattle after every kind, and every creeping thing of the earth after his kind. Two, uh, two of every sort shall come unto thee uh, to keep them alive. And take, thou all, and take thou unto thee of all food that is eaten, and thou shalt gather it to thee, and it shall be for food for thee and for them. Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Okay, so Noah did everything that was called upon him. So we're going to go to Genesis 7. If anyone has anything to add, they can. Um, if not, we'll just move on to Genesis 7. All right. And it says, And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thine house unto the ark, for thee uh, have I seen righteousness before me in this, in this generation. Of every clean beast thou shalt take no, thou shalt take to thee by sevens, uh, the male and his female, and the beast that are not clean by two or male and his female. So, you know, I'm not sure about the seven. I know the sevens would be perfect because they were clean, which mean which meant they could be eaten, which meant that they could be preserved. But the unclean, he said, bring both male and female, bring by twos. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if he wanted less clean or unclean beast on board or what, but it's interesting. Go ahead. Well, could that have been a representative of the marriage supper kind of thing where he said go onto the highways and byways? And to don't go to your friends, but go to those that are out there and, and invite them in. Could be. The unclean beast, right. Because the sevens would represent his disciples or those that want to follow the Lord. And then you got the twos that would go out that were unclean that he said to go after. Hey, I can't argue with that. Good point. Verse 3. Of fowls also of the air by sevens, and male and female, and keep seed alive upon the face of all the earth. For yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth, forty days and forty nights, and every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. Now remember this, because we don't have time to go into this. In Exodus 12, they talked about, because this is also, Noah's Ark also represents the Passover. Mm -hmm. And if Jesus represents the Passover lamb, before judgment was proclaimed, seven days, was was the Lord going to wait before he decided to set the flood up? Now, remember, um, when the children of Israel, the Lord was telling them that he was going to judge Pharaoh. Pharaoh wanted to kill every firstborn of Israel. And the Lord said, well, it's going to be Pharaoh's people that are going to die. When I send my angel or the Lord would pass over, you guys got to have that blood on the doorpost. Why? Because, you know, that would signify that they were with the Lord. So this is also a type of Passover. So he will destroy from off the face of the earth. Five. And Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. Thank God for Noah. Verse six. And Noah was 600 years old when the flood of waters was upon the earth. That six is also the end of man. And that seven is rebirth. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, now there were eight people aboard that also signified eternity or like a, a new beginning. Mm -hmm. So this is interesting how this works out. Uh, verse 7, And Noah went in, and his sons and his wives and his sons' wives with him into the ark because of the waters of the flood of, of clean beasts and of the beasts that are not clean and of fowls and everything that creepeth upon the earth. There went in two and two unto Noah into the ark, the male and the female, as God had commanded Noah. And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were upon the earth. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up and the windows of heaven were opened. So we understand here too about the 17th day or the 17th day of the month and um, let's see 17th day yeah um, remember when we did the teaching again on the um, seven sacred annual feasts mm -hmm. that the 17th day was also the day of first fruits remember because it was the 14th day that it began the Passover or Feast of Unleavened Bread went on which would have been a type of Christ because Jesus is the bread of life. Then came the 17th day, which was the day of first fruits. Okay, so you see how that is? That that worked out. So this would be a type of resurrection. Right. Because 17 is a number for preservation. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, the, uh, verse 12. And the rain was upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. In the self-same... A day entered Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth and the sons of Noah and Noah's wives and the three wives of his sons with them into the ark. And they, well, they and every beast after his kind and all the cattle after their kind and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth after his kind and every fowl after his kind, every bird of every sort. And they went in unto, unto Noah, uh, into the ark, two and two of all flesh, wherein is the breath of life. So you see that? That was the only way to be preserved. God's breath was probably holding this thing together as well. So this was a sanctuary of God. Now Jesus is the breath of life. If he created all things, he went into two vessels, both male and female, and breathed life into Adam took the rib from Adam, and even made Eve. So you see how this works? Mm -hmm. All in Christ Jesus. Verse 16. And they that went in, went in male and female of all flesh, and God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. So the Lord shut the door. When he was done, the Lord proclaimed judgment. Okay, I'm closing the door now. He didn't give Noah a chance to do it himself. Noah may have had compassion. You know what I'm saying? Noah may have, uh, I mean, just... Maybe these people are outside screaming. Yeah. This actually does shed some light on the marriage supper, especially concerning the ten virgins, mm -hmm. because he shut he shut the door after That's the right. five came in, and you had five foolish. What happened? They shut the door. They That's right. Come in. That's right. Five wise and five foolish. Matter of fact, let's go there. Okay. <laughs> Matthew twenty-five. Great point. Matthew 
Matthew 25, we'll start at verse 1, and it says, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. What did Jesus say? Or what did Paul say about those that sleep? Mm -hmm. Those that are in the light, those that are asleep are sleeping in drunkenness and darkness. Right. All right. And, the, and at midnight, there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Uh, then all of those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go ye rather unto them that sell and buy for yourselves. What did I say earlier? Salvation is an individual affair. Right. So you see, you don't have enough for someone else. You only have enough for you. Mm -hmm. But notice how uh, Paul also said in 1 Thessalonians 5, Just when they shall think peace and safety, swift judgment come upon them. So while these guys were, you know, hanging out, having a good time, they didn't realize the bridegroom was coming. For those who were ready, it didn't matter. Mm -hmm. All right, so verse 10. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in uh, with him uh, to the marriage, and the door was shut, just like with Noah. And this is Jesus Christ saying this. Afterwards came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily unto, verily I say unto you, I know you not. Noah walked with the Lord. The people, therefore, the, the other people didn't walk with the Lord. So, you know, they didn't believe God until the flood started because they thought the Lord was playing. Mm -hmm. But you see, once it started, everything turned around. Watch therefore, for ye know thither the day nor hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. And this links up perfectly because he's talking about not knowing when the Son of Man cometh. Right. He says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. So we can head back. Good point. Let's see what else I got. All right. So you guys don't leave there. I do. And then I have to come all the way back. <laughs> I think Right. Noah 7, I mean Genesis 7 and 17, and it says, And the flood was 40 days upon the earth, and the waters increased, and uh, bare up the ark, and it was lift up above the earth. So right away, on the 17th, and this is chapter 17, mm -hmm. that the flood was, the, um, the, the ark was lifted up high above the earth. So from here... We're going to go into John 3. Let's go to John chapter 3. Or, uh, yeah, John 3. We can start at verse 1. This is good. And that was in chapter, that was in verse 17, which was the day of first fruits. Right. We're going to cover all of this. John 3 
and verse 1, and it says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, and the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So except a man get in this ark and go through the rebirth, and being in this ark, in this womb of water, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. Now remember, that ark meant baptism. Verse, um, I mean, not the ark, the flood. Verse 4, Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second, a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That ark was the only way to the other side of the flood. So he had to be born of water, go through. you got to be on that ark to go through it, and be of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. Verse 6, That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. What did the Lord tell Noah? All flesh is going to be judged, is going to be con condemned. He was done with the time of man and flesh. Mm -hmm. Okay, but Noah being perfect in his generations, walked with the Lord. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. Yet if I have told you earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you heavenly things? So you understand that Noah... This is a great point because Noah's reality was beyond, of course, the physical. He heard from the Lord. He built what is necessary. But in order to believe that this ark is your salvation, you got to first believe the heavenly things. Mm -hmm. How can you even start building for the kingdom of God if you don't even believe there is a kingdom to go into? Right. If you even question if God is real, if he's even God. So this is what's got to be worked out. 13, and no man hath ascended up to heaven. But he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must be the Son, the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So you see this? It's the same thing about going into the ark. Those who believed entered into the ark. Those who didn't, did not. Right. All right? Verse 17. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten son. This is the condemnation that light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. 
So while a lot of people won't come into this ark, won't come into Jesus, won't seek the Lord fully, is because we still got evil in our hearts. Some people would say they're into, you know, um, they're deceived into false religions and things like that. Or I would come, but I had bad experiences in churches and my mother beat me. My dad did this and all this. Don't believe any of that. Not that it didn't happen. But the reason why people do not want to come to Jesus is because they want to remain in darkness. Because, you know, when you come into Jesus, you've got to be righteous. The Lord found righteousness and Noah, his wife, and his sons and their wives, and they entered into the ark. Okay, so they were able to be preserved because there was righteousness of God in them that he could work through. So this is awesome. Verse 20, For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. See? Neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. So why did those people not come in when Noah was ready to go? They didn't believe. They were corrupted. They were in the world. They did not want God. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. So I thought that was awesome how the Son of Man lifted up. Jesus was lifted up on the cross. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. So this ark was lifted up with those who would be saved. I just think that this is awesome. Yeah. All right, we can go back to um, Genesis uh, 7. It's all about Jesus. Mm-hmm. They'll figure that out one day when they're looking into two eyes like the flame of fire. You know, and there's going to be nothing you can say when you're looking at him. Exactly. You're going to feel a conviction big time. All right, so the ark was lifted up. Uh, above the earth, verse 18. And the waters prevailed and were increased greatly upon the earth, and the ark went upon the face of the waters. And the waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth, and all the high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered. Fifteen cubits upward did the waters prevail, and the mountains were covered. Can you imagine? I mean, if you look at Mount Everest and all these other things here, man. 29,028 feet of water, and the waters were above them because you know they ran up to the mountains to try and be saved. But think about it. I mean, it it goes beyond. Mm -hmm. Remember, there were giants in the earth in those days. You guys aren't going to survive this. Mm -hmm. All right, verse uh, 20, uh, 21, okay. And all flesh died that moved upon the earth, both the fowl and the cattle and the beast, and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth in every man, all in whose nostrils was the breath of life, of all that was in that in the dry land died. Okay, so for all these people, I mean, everything was wiped off the earth. Verse 23, And every living substance was destroyed, which was upon the face of the ground, both man and cattle and the creeping things, and the fowl of the, of the heaven, and they were destroyed from the earth, and Noah only remained alive, and they that were with him in the ark. And the waters prevailed upon the earth in hundred and fifty days, five months. Another sign for grace that this happened. Mm-hmm. That they were able to be upon the um uh what's the point I was gonna make? can't even remember, but for five months they were preserved. Right. You know, so five is always a number for grace in the Bible. 
All right, so this is uh, Genesis 8 and 1. And God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters assuaged, I guess, assuaged, uh, I guess they like receded. And uh, the fountains also of the deep and the windows of heaven were stooped and the rain was... Um, and the rain from heaven was restrained, and the waters returned from off the earth continually. And after the end of the hundred and fifty days, uh, the waters were abated, and the ark rested in the seventh month on the seventeenth day of the of the month um, upon the mountains of Ararat. Now we don't have time to go into it, so I encourage everyone go to Sound of Trumpet Ministries dot com because um you want to look up the seven sacred annual feast of the old covenant but it'll speak of the day of first fruits that this ark has been lifted up jesus himself was a type of first fruits okay and the day of preservation was on the 17th day of that month of nisan that they would have the day of first fruits that was one of their offerings mm -hmm. but it spoke of the resurrection of jesus christ Okay, so it, it landed on the mountains of Ararat, and that was that's somewhere around Turkey. So from here, let's go to First Corinthians fifteen. start at verse 1. First Corinthians 15 and 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. Why? Because you're preaching Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. If ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, which is Peter, uh, then of the twelve. After that he was seen of above uh, five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also as of one born out of due time. So remember, Paul had his Damascus experience. He met the Lord firsthand. The Lord came to him. He was smitten with blindness. And the Lord asked him, Paul, why have thou forsaken me? Mm -hmm. All right. And this is when Paul became an apostle. Verse 9. For I am the least of the apostles, that I am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace was, uh, which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet that I but the grace of yet not I, but the grace of God which was um which was with me. 
Okay, so you don't think that Noah knew and believed God that he was getting off unscathed? <laughs> he knew, hey, this is my ticket. I'm hearing from the Lord. The Lord is going to destroy this earth. I'm going to work hard and do everything that the Lord asked because I want to make it to the other end of this flood. I want to escape this destruction. This is why the Bible tells us to not be tired of well-doing. Verse 11, Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preached, and so ye believed. Now, if Christ be preached, that he rose from the dead, how, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? So if Jesus Christ had risen from the dead, how can we say that there is no resurrection of the dead? In order for us to say that no, when we die, it's all over, means that Jesus Christ didn't do it either. Because Jesus promised if he would do it, that those that believed in him would do it. Okay? So it says, um, verse 12. Now, if, well, I read that, verse 13. But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, if we are found false uh, witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that we raised that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, <laughs> if so be that the dead arise not. You know, when Paul speaks, it's always like tongue twisting, but he's saying that if we claim that Christ was raised up and we're not raised, then that would be in vain. If Christ wasn't raised and if we are raised, then that would be in vain. It's like you've got to believe it as a whole that what Jesus Christ did, he did. This is where our faith is based. Noah believed that this ark would save him because God told him to make it. God told us to believe on Jesus Christ. That's the only reason that the Holy Ghost is here, that we might believe. We can either choose to believe it, or like Jesus said, he that believeth not is, is condemned already. Okay, so all of our faith is based on this belief that Jesus is our ark. He is our Savior. He is our eternal life. Mm -hmm. Verse 16, If the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised? And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. <laughs> they, um, then they are also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this day, I mean, if in this life only, we have hope in Christ, we are of all men are most miserable. So, you know, it's all about having hope in Jesus Christ in order to make it. Verse 20, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. So we can't really blame the fallen angels for what they did in Genesis 6. Sin was already there, mm -hmm. okay, in Adam. But the fallen angels didn't help. They made it worse. And had Adam and Eve not fallen, Satan would have never been able to tempt them. I mean, if Satan didn't tempt Adam and Eve, he couldn't have got a third of the angels to follow him to the earth to do his will. So you see how this all works out? It began in their disobedience that Satan even gained dominion over on the earth to tell, you know, his friends, yeah, man, I run things, come on over. Because right. that's pretty much what happened. 
But had they not fallen, so through Adam, all this sin came in, through Jesus Christ, all sin is, is you know, covered. All right, so um, verse 23, but every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits afterwards, they that are Christ at his coming. Then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he have um, put all enemies under his feet. So we understand what that ark did. The ark was going above the enemies under the feet of Jesus Christ, who is this ark. That they were destroyed, and on the 17th day, those first fruits, you know, the whole thing was over, and then Noah and his people could have come out. So we can go back to Genesis 8, and then from there we're going to co conclude in Second uh, uh, Peter chapter 2. Genesis 8, and we'll go back to verse 4, and it says, And the ark rested on the seventh month, on the seventeenth day, that's the day of first fruits, that they that they did this in um, Exodus uh, 12, which represented the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The um, seventeenth day on the month, I mean of the month, upon the, the mountains of Ararat, and the waters decreased continually until the tenth month, in the tenth month, on the first day of the month, were the tops of the mountains seen. And it came to pass at the end of forty days that Noah opened the window of the ark uh, which he had made. And he sent forth a raven uh, which went forth to and fro until the waters were dried up uh, from off the earth. So, you know, the raven is not even, a raven represents, I mean, I don't know what it means here, but a raven is not considered a good bird. A raven hangs out with cemeteries. They hang out there. They kind of represent the dead is what I'm gathering. So he sent the raven out and nothing happened. Raven, a raven represents the dead where, you know, you got Jesus Christ that is the God of the living. So he sent the raven and raven just flew off. Uh, this is eight. Also, he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. But the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot. Now notice this. If the dove is the Holy Ghost, it found no rest for the sole of her foot. So it flew on back. Like, okay, I can't rest on anything yet. So it went around and flew back. This dove represents the Holy Ghost. Um, all right, sole of her foot, and she returned into the ark. For the waters were on the face of the whole earth. Then he put forth his hand and took her uh, and pulled her uh, in unto him into the ark. Now notice this raven is a female. Now I'm not saying, I'm, I'm saying this here, the Holy Ghost is not female. But the Bible does speak of the type of wisdom. And it talks about the Holy Ghost being a comforter, which is a feminine noun in the Greek. Okay, but it doesn't mean that the Holy Ghost is female. The Holy Ghost is referred to as he. But because he has a nurturing spirit, notice that this dove 
is a type of, you know, it said her. Mm -hmm. He pulled her leg back in. So this is not a mother God, so don't get excited, World Mission Society Church of God. That's not the point. All right, so verse 10, and it says, And he stayed yet um, other seven days, and again he sent forth the dove out of the ark. And the dove came in uh, to him in the evening, and lo, uh, in her mouth was an olive leaf uh, plucked off. So no one knew that the waters were abated, from off the earth. And he stayed yet other seven days and sent forth the dove, which returned not again unto him any more. So isn't it funny that the dove eventually just flew off? Now I believe, like R.W. Schombach said, that that dove was the dove that, when the heavens opened, landed on Jesus Christ, representing the Holy Ghost. Remember, he came in the form of a dove. So it's funny how that dove just left and never came back. But the dove must have been, now you know that the dove probably died somewhere, but I'm talking about symbology. Mm -hmm. How it just representing looking in the earth for that one that he was going to land on. I yep. think that this is awesome. Oh yeah, totally. This is so awesome. So from here, we're going to conclude with um, Second Peter chapter 2. Because this is going to sum everything we spoke up in a nutshell. But it's just, it's amazing how after... Everything that had happened with the ark and with Noah having to build the ark and with his faith and with having to go forward and to endure persecution and then the flood, the flood finally happening and like you said, that one dove not returning and then when Jesus Christ came to the earth, everything that he would have to endure and the fasting that he would have to go through and the baptism then the Holy Spirit fell upon him. And when that happened, he went out and did all the works of his father. On the day of first fruits. Yeah, exactly. You know, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that rebirth, being born again. So Second Peter 2 and verse 1, and it says, But there were, there were false prophets also among the people, even as there were, I mean, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. Now, we never went into what happened to those angels that came to the earth that was doing dirt. We should just look this part up real quick. But it talks about false prophets. Now, these angels came and taught mankind all this stuff. Now, I'm just going to read this real quick. This is chapter um, 9. And it says, And then Michael, Uriel, Raphael, and Gabriel looked down from heaven and saw much blood being shed upon the earth, and all lawlessness, all lawlessness being wrought upon the earth. So remember, this is before the flood. This is what went on. All right? So it says, They saw all the lawlessness upon the earth. And they said one to another, The earth made without inhabitant, cries of the voice of their cryings up to the gates of heaven and now to you the holy ones of heaven the souls of men make their suit saying bring our case before the most high and they said to the lord of the ages lord of lords god of gods king of kings and god of the ages and um uh, the throne of thy glory standeth uh, unto all the generations of the ages and thy, and thy name holy and glorious and blessed unto all the ages. 
Thou hast made all things, and power over all things. Hast thou in all things are naked and open in thy sight, and thou seest all things, and nothing can hide itself from thee. Thou seest what Azazel, which is one of these angels, hath done, who hath taught all unrighteousness on earth, and revealed the eternal secrets which were kept in heaven, which men were striving to learn. And Simjaza, to whom thou hast given authority to bear over um, rule over um, his associates, and they have gone to the daughters of men upon the earth, and have slept with the women, and have defiled themselves, and revealed to them all kinds of sins. And the women uh, have be, have borne giants, and the whole earth has thereby been filled with the blood of unrighteousness. And now behold the souls of those who have died are crying and making their suit to the gates of Lord, the gates of heaven, and their, and their lamentations have ascended and cannot cease because of the lawless deeds which are wrought on the earth. And thou knowest all things before thee come to pass, and thou seest these things, and thou doest suffer them, and thou doest not say uh, to us what, are, what we are to do to them in regard of these. And the Most High, this is chapter 10, Then said the Most High, the Holy and Great One spake, and said, Uriel, uh, to the son of Lamech, and said to him, Go to Noah and tell him, uh, In my name hide thyself, and reveal to him the end that is approaching, and that the whole earth will be destroyed, and a deluge like a flood is about to come upon the whole earth, and, and will destroy all that is on it. Okay, so a lot of people would say, who is Uriel? Look, if the Lord had thousands upon thousands of angels, and the Bible only names three, which is Lucifer, Gabriel, and Michael, clearly there had to be more. The name Raphael is actually in the Apocrypha in the 1611 King James Bible. But I'm just saying, because people get caught up with this, and then, well, who is Uriel? You think there's only one angel doing something in heaven? Obviously, that there are many, but, you know, people are so self-righteous, they don't even get this. And as far as I'm concerned, I don't care if it said Mickey Mouse. The fact of the matter is, it matches up with Scripture. Right. That's the whole point. This is just, now you know why Noah was able to go and make what he did without being, you know, bothered by these people. Because he told them to hide himself. Mm -hmm. All right. So, um... Where am I? I'm at three, and it says, And now instruct him that he may escape and his seed may be preserved for all the generations of the world. And again, the Lord said unto Raphael, this is one of the angels, Bind Azazel hand and foot and cast him into the darkness and make an opening in the desert, um, which is in Dudael. Now, Dudael is not far from um, Babylon. A lot of people even believe the original Dudiel was where the pyramids are and stuff like that. I don't know. But I believe that Dudiel is right where the Garden of Eden kind of used to be, like in that same province, that same plain in Shinar. Because they said Dudiel, if you were to um, you know, look up the alphabets in Hebrew, it also means Babel. So like where the Tower of Babel was, this is where this was. Right. Okay? All right, so he said to put them in the province of Dudiel and cast him therein. 
and place upon him rough and jagged rocks and cover and cover him with darkness and let him abide there forever and cover his face that he may not see light and on the day of great judgment he shall be cast into the fire and heal the earth uh, which the angels have corrupted and proclaim the healing of the earth that they may um, heal the plague and that all the children of men may not perish through all the secret things that the watchers have disclosed and have taught their sons. Now the watchers were the angels, all right? They left their first estate, went and produced these giants, so they taught the giants their religions, and these are the same false religions being taught today. This is why this earth is full of violence right now, because you got all this Eastern philosophy, all this stuff going on. All right, and the whole earth have been corrupted through the works that were taught by Azazel to him ascribe all sin. Now, this is this is funny because if you go into um, Leviticus or Exodus, it talks about, remember when they had to do their sacrifices, they had a goat that would be accepted. The blemished goat was sent out into the wilderness and was made, um, he was a scapegoat. So the name Azazel means scapegoat. Now, when Azazel come and grab that sheep or whatever it is, wherever that sheep was sent, I don't know. But this is pretty interesting stuff, how Azazel means scapegoat. And this is how sacrifices were made. All right. And in the day of judgment, he shall be cast into fire. All right, I passed that part. And the whole earth had been corrupted through the works that were taught by Azazel and him ascribe all sin. And to Gabriel said the Lord proceed against the bastards and the reprobates and against the children of fornication and destroy the children of fornication and the children of the watchers from among men and cause them to go forth. Send them one against the other that they may destroy each other in battle uh, for length of days shall they um, not have. Now this is talking about like Clash of the Titans. The giants were, an, an evil spirit was put on them. They were killing themselves in the earth with all this stuff going on. And the fallen angels had to watch there, seeing their own children be killed. Uh, this is verse 10. And no request that their fathers make of thee shall be granted unto their fathers on their behalf. For they hope to live an eternal life and that each one of them will live 500 years. And the Lord said unto Michael, Go bind Simjaza and his associates, and have, uh, who have united themselves with women, so as to have defiled themselves with them in all their uncleanness. And when their sons have slain one another, and they have seen the destruction of their beloved ones, Bind them fast for seventy generations in the valleys of the earth until the day of their judgment and of the consummation until the judgment that is forever and ever is consummated. So the Lord wasn't kidding around. He came, bound them up, thrown them in. This is saying nothing different than what the Bible is saying. It's almost exactly the same, but in a little more detail. So now we continue in verse 2. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. So there will be few, like Jesus Christ said, to find the way, to find the gate. Anytime you hear many, it's usually in a negative fashion. Verse 3, And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now is of 
now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. So God doesn't forget his promises. If he says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. There you have it. It's right there that everyone can see it. And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them um, an example unto those uh, that after should live ungodly, and delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. So what do we have to do? Jesus was crucified outside of the city, outside of the camp. We have to separate from this world to be with Jesus Christ, and we've got to be in the ark when the Lord proclaims judgment, because that is the only protection that we're going to have is Jesus Christ. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the ungodly out of temptations. I mean, out of, out of temptations. He knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. But chiefly them that walk after the flesh. See, remember he said how flesh would have their end. Yeah. These people are walking after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government. So these are the same people in Romans 1 that hate God, hate his government, don't want to retain him in their knowledge. Presumptuous are they, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Whereas angels which are greater in power and might bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. Because those angels know. They saw what happened to Azazel and what's going to happen to Lucifer and the rest of them. They're like, man, not me. I'm going to stay on the right side of things because I saw what God can do to angels. Verse 12. But these are as natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed. Speak evil of the things that they understand not, and shall utterly perish in their corruption. The Bible talked about the corrupt world. Remember, in Noah's day, Jesus spoke about the corrupt world that would be in the coming of his day. Mm -hmm. But it also spoke of those natural brute beasts, speaking of things which they understand not. Going right back to Psalm 64. Now, they had no fear of God. Who's going to judge us? Who's going to tell us what to do? They would walk in their own ways. 13. And shall receive the reward of the un, of unrighteousness as they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. Spots they are and blemishes sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you. Now remember, he talked about that they would these people would have pleasure in rioting. What does the Bible say in Romans 1? That they would have pleasure in unrighteousness. They would have pleasure in them that do unrighteous. Mm -hmm. These are the natural brute beasts, but it says that these same people, full of spot and blemish, will be feasting with you. The same way Jesus said, two will be in the bed, one taken, the other left. Two grinding at the mill, one taken, the other left. Ten virgins, five were wise, five were foolish. But they were all together. So the Lord is going to make some separation. 
having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls and heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children. So these hearts are, um, are exercising covetous practices. They're evil in man's heart. Remember, man's heart was only evil continually in the days of Noah. You know, this is the same thing. Verse 15, which have um, forsaken the right way and are gone astray. What did Jesus say again? What did Isaiah say? That they had gone astray, the sheep, and Jesus died for our transgressions. He was marred for us. Following the way of Balaam and the son of, the son of Bozer, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity, the dumb ass speaking with a man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. You guys got to look up that story. If you haven't seen it with Balaam's donkey, the donkey's trying to walk. The angel of the Lord, which I believe was Jesus Christ, was standing there in the way trying to tell him. And he tried to go around with it. And he's getting mad at the donkey because the donkey's trying to go around and he's trying to turn him straight. So he hit the donkey and the donkey spoke to him about what was what. Right. That would have been enough to make you jump out of your shoes and run down the street. <laughs> Verse 17. Look at, look at what 17 says. Preservation. These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with the tempest, to whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak great swelling words of vanities, they are lured through the lust of the flesh, through much wantingness, those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. I'm really getting the impression because they're talking about all these things, how these angels are mixed in with it. These same practices that these false prophets and unrighteous people were teaching were the same things that the fallen angels were doing. Mm -hmm. Hey, you want to be beautiful? Here's some makeup. Hey, you want to do this? Here's this. Oh, I'm going to teach you how to do this so you can be your own God. It's the same things that they're offering as what enticed men. All right. Verse 19. While they promised them liberty. Hmm. I bet you this is what they did. Yep. They themselves are the servants of corruption. They serve Satan. For of whom a man is um, overcome of the same uh, is he brought into in, in bondage? So, in other words, if you what you don't overcome, you will be brought into bondage with. And the only way to overcome any sin or any bondage is through Jesus. For right. so if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, uh, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end um, is worse with them than the beginning. Now Jesus said when an unclean spirit is going out of a man, he walketh in dry places seeking rest and finding none, the, the spirits. But when they come and double back to the house and they find the house swept and garnished, no Holy Ghost, you're in unrighteousness, then that spirit takes seven other demons more wicked than himself to come back in. So it would have been stupid of Noah to build this ark and to work on it and do all this stuff, get in the ark, and then decide to walk back out, missing what he had overcome. This accomplishment was made, which was Jesus Christ formed, that they may live in, that they step back out and say, no, I don't want anything to do with it. So then you don't think the Lord would have shut the, the ark on Noah? Because mm -hmm. he would have said, you know what? I've already got your three sons. Yeah. 
All right, the other two could have got out too. The only one I'm looking for is Shem. And you would have had Jesus Christ come through that lineage. So it would have been dumb of Noah to be saved and then decide to open a window and leap out. Look right. at what he would have had to face. He probably would have been preserved long enough for it to swim back. But look at all the swimming he would have been doing trying to live just to be saved. Verse 21. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it but it has happened unto the but it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. So you escape the corruptions of the world and you go back to it. We have to get into that ark, and that ark is Jesus Christ. Hopefully we would have proved that today. I know we're going to get some emails of people that don't believe. But this is why the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation, a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. So in order to be new, in order to be born again, in order to lift up and be a part of that ark, you have to be in the ark. And that ark is Jesus Christ. So um, no one has anything to add. Sarah's going to present, and then we'll conclude from there. I'll have everyone go to Proverbs 23 and 23. I'm calling this little segment, uh, Buy the Truth and Sell It Not. And this actually happens to be in Proverbs 23 and verse 23. <clears throat> All right. All right, so I'll go ahead and read. All right, so Proverbs 23 and verse 23 says here, Buy the truth and sell it not. But it also says, Also wisdom and instruction, which can also mean discipline, and understanding. So I think that this is very important because, especially in today's society, um, like he was talking about, having the truth is just, it's very difficult for people to be honest these days or to, or like it said in Peter, uh, where it says truth, truth breakers. So um, there was a time when you could actually have a, a person's honor just by the shake of a hand or by someone's word. And that meant so much more. And, and that was only like, what, 60, 70 years ago? And now if you look at today's society, you got to make sure you lock your door. If you go to the grocery store, your, your purse better be visible in your cart at all times. Because what happens? You turn around, it's gone. So we don't have a whole lot of truth and honesty anymore. But here it's also talking about what is it. And this, I think, goes actually perfectly with what we were talking about today. But by the truth is also, if we know the truth in Jesus Christ, it is salvation. So we cannot sell our salvation for anything. And then it also says wisdom. Well, we're looking for godly wisdom, instruction or discipline, making sure that what we are learning or what we are studying or what we know is of Jesus Christ. And then if he disciplines us for things that we're not doing right, we need to take that in understanding. So for here, let's go over to Proverbs 1. 
verses 1 through 6. All right, Proverbs 1, verses 1 through 6. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity. Like what was saying today, you want to have judgment, you want to have justice, but you want it to come from Jesus Christ, not from what the world sees it. Because today it's not more, it's, it, it's not so much anymore about being right or what is the truth, it's who has the better argument. That's really what our whole <laughs> judicial system is based upon. Think about it. If a guy goes to court for doing something wrong, he could be, you know he's guilty. He looks like he's guilty, but if he's got a good lawyer, what happens? He can either reduce his sentence or get him off altogether or pay the judge. So it's not about what is the correct way things are set up anymore. Verse 4, to give subtly or to give um, subtly, I believe that is, prudence uh, to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. And that is important too, uh, to give where it says the young man knowledge and discretion. So if your kids are young and they're coming up and you give them that knowledge and that discretion of, of how to act, um, of how to be, giving them the word. It's like yesterday I went over to Mod's Pizza and this gentleman and his three kids sat down. <laughs> right? And they sat down and they prayed before they ate. And his kids were the most respectful kids I had seen. And they, you could tell that they respected their dad. Now I think it was, I mean I know it doesn't matter, but I think they were like Romania or something like that. But the boys had very short cuts and the girls had long hair. And even the one girl said to his dad, Thank you, Daddy, for this. Because she wanted to say it. He didn't say, if you don't say thank you, I'm going to smack you across the face. But that just goes to show you it's not completely gone yet. But isn't it kind of strange that when we go out, we're so used to seeing people being crazy and acting crazy and kids being mm -hmm. disrespectful that when you see it, you're kind of like, wow, mm -hmm. respectful kids. So that also goes to show you the kind of society we're listening in. Verse 5. A wise man will hear and will in, increase learning. A man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsel. counsel to understand a proverb and, to inter, and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. So, as we know in the New Testament that Jesus Christ, especially when it came to those that did not want to understand, he spoke a lot of parables to people. And then he would actually at times privily tell the disciples what he said because they were with him. But to, to understand a proverb in the instruction also go back, goes back to that knowledge. Let's say you're reading in the scriptures somewhere and you don't quite understand what's being said. Pray to the Lord for understanding. And if it's your time for him to give you that understanding of, of what you're reading, he'll give it to you. So, But it's also our learning. It's also how closer we're getting to the Lord to understand that proverb and the interpretation thereof but we got to be seeking him out in this and then verse 7 you actually said this earlier today the fear of the lord is the beginning of knowledge but the fools despise wisdom and instruction so it's saying it right there that if we're getting closer to the lord and we're trying to tell people those that have got those hard foreheads 
like you spoke about, and there's blood on your hands, those that have got those four, hard foreheads and they don't want to come, then they're going to despise wisdom. They're going to despise instruction. But we have got to continue on uh, and seek the Lord. And then um, in your spare time, read James 1, 2 through 6. And then let's just go to Matthew 13, 44 through 36 real quick. Matthew 13, 44 through 46. Alright. And again, oh, excuse me. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hidden afield, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who, when he hath found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. So what this is talking about here is knowing the truth in our salvation in Jesus Christ. When you know the truth, when it's just, it, it, the Holy Spirit comes upon you, when the revelation, when the veil is pulled back and you know it, you want to you wanna hold tight to it. You will sell everything and go and serve Jesus Christ. And this is, this is a growth process for each and every one of us. If the Lord has given us a job, let's use the job to talk to others about Jesus Christ. If he's given us a husband or a wife or children or anything, it should always be for the glory of Jesus Christ. That is what it's always supposed to be about. It's not supposed to be that we can glory in ourselves, but if we know that truth, we're supposed to tell others about it and not once give up our salvation for anything. So that's what I have. Right, so again, you know, we talked about how Jesus is that ark. You know, I just want to tell people out there, because this is not just about proving how Jesus was all through the Old and New Testament, but this is about letting people know that He is your only salvation. I don't care what religion you're in. I don't care what you're doing. I don't care what's going on in your life. I don't care what you've done. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ is your only salvation. And it is really time to stop kidding ourselves because the Lord will do everything that he said that he is going to do. Right. And we just have to ask ourselves which side we're on. I don't care if you've done abortions. I don't care if you're homosexual. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you're a thief, if you're a robber, if you're a liar, if you're an adulterer, if you're a fornicator. Get that off your conscience. Get right with Christ. You know, bow before him and get to know him. Open your heart to him. Mm -hmm or you will not enter into his rest. Because that was a, a chapter that I meant to go into, was Hebrews 3 and Hebrews 4. But when it talked about because of the hardness of their hearts, that they would not go into that rest, Noah means rest. Mm -hmm. So isn't that funny how they would not enter in because of the hardness of their hearts? That's right. Don't be like the children of Israel that got turned around in the wilderness and they walked in the wilderness for 40 years. Just like... Those people that would not go into the rest that Noah had prepared, they ended up outside of the ark for 40 days, mm -hmm. okay, of rain. So you see how these, the same thing carries on from yesterday and today. Get right with Jesus Christ. Now is the time. Don't play games with your salvation. Tomorrow is not promised to any of us except the Lord Jesus Christ. All right? 
So he is forgiven, he is just, and he will forgive all sins. But you've got to be real, and you've got to trust him. Because there is no God like him. And there is no Savior. There is no love that you're going to receive in this world void of Jesus Christ. That is the one true love. That is your first love, whether you know it or not. Mm -hmm. Repent and turn around. And if you confess your sins before him... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay, so from here, we're going to go out in prayer. Uh, Melissa's going to pray for us. So she tried to escape into the bathroom, but (laughs) didn't work out. We waited for her to come back out. All right. Dear Lord, we're so very grateful for the lesson today and for you continuing to show us the way, show us the path to clean us up, Lord, and and keep directing us and keep reminding us and just keep showing us how much you love us and, you know, reminding us of your grace. Um, Lord, I'm so grateful for... You sparing my life even before I was saved so that I could learn this of you, Lord, and go the right way. And that my son, Easton, was saved as well. And I just pray for my other two children that they would come to you, Lord, and understand this as well. And that we all, all all of us that you are calling, would hear your voice and take the right path. And take your guidance. Take your lessons. Just lead us, Lord. For you are so amazing, Lord. We're so very, very grateful to you. I praise your mighty name, Lord. And thank you for your grace and your amazing gift to us. Thank you, Lord. We pray in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.